Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's sermon podcast at Yarmouth Wesleyan. We hope that you are encouraged by the message that you're about to hear. Uh, And we would really appreciate uh, if you would subscribe on Apple Music or follow us on Spotify. That really helps us continue uh, to do the work that we are doing. So thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the message. Is that your prayer today? Are we praying that the healer would step into this place? Because I think one of the things we do when we think about religion, when we think about the organization, we tend to think, what is God gonna take from me? What is God gonna stop me from doing? What is God gonna kind of get in the way? And the idea that we're singing about is that God is actually offering us a trade. Whatever, Whatever junk we have, whatever stuff we have, it's actually he wants to take the worst of and give you the best of. He actually offers all of the good and all you have to swap is all of the junk. And there's this idea in our head that, oh, God's just gonna kind of rob me blind. Do, do we think he needs something from us? He wants to offer something to us. You go ahead and have a seat because I wanna tell you a few things that happened recently. There was two people at Coastal last Sunday night who came and had an encounter with the healer. Two people last week at Coastal saw Jesus for who he was and gave their life to him for the very first time. That is a really big deal. And what they're gonna find out is that Jesus has far more for them than they could ever think or imagine. That's what he does. There was a whole bunch of people who showed up at South Church last week. We released a bunch of people from Thursday night. Maybe you're looking around like, where did the people go from Thursday night? Yeah, they went and planted a church. We sent a bunch of people out of here, and they went down and launched a campus called South Church. And uh, our people, and with a bunch of guests last weekend, 86 people were in worship last Sunday at South Church. What those people are going to find out is that Jesus has far more for them than they can ever think or imagine. Do you see a theme? When we met here last weekend, in a real simple request, I just said to you, here's the deal. God has used ordinary people for seven decades at our church to do extraordinary things, not because they're extraordinary, but because God is extraordinary. And for seven decades, ordinary people have showed up, offered what they have, and God said, I could take that and do extraordinary things with it. And so I said to the church, if you want to give, all of the offering is going to go to vision and I said to you, I believe God's going to do something extraordinary. Did, did I say that last week? I said, if ordinary people trust an extraordinary God, then God would do something extraordinary. Just checking my notes. Last week's vision offering was Some of your jaws are on the floor. You just go ahead and kind of pick those up. Ordinary people worshiping an extraordinary God. here's Here's what's not lost on me. That came in in a weekend, and I ate just fine this week. I have my house, have my car, have my fuel. I'm looking around here and don't want to be real judgy, but it looks like you all ate just fine too. What's amazing is that this is a 
ridiculously generous and sacrificial gift, and God still provided for our needs. See, there's this idea that if I give, then I won't have. If I release, then I won't possess. What we need to realize is that when we step in and participate with God, He has a way of doing the miraculous. And so while we don't have this all sorted out yet, because that is a lot more than I even believe an extraordinary God could do, to be quite honest. I believe big prayers, but God's like, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. And so uh, we got some conversations to have this week as we release that into our communities via the campuses, via Love Week, Vision, all those kinds of things. We're going to talk about kind of how do we steward, because just because God is generous doesn't mean we have to be sloppy. And as I was driving around this week, two words kept going through my head all week, trust and stewardship, trust and stewardship. I, I, I don't know always why you all trust this church, the leadership, but, but you did. You, you, you trusted, and I think the leadership of the church's job is to be good stewards of it and to not be wasteful, right? And so you trusted, and I am honored and humbled and privileged that you would entrust the leadership of our churches to kind of figure out what to do with this, and it's our job to practice good stewardship. And so I just, I am floored. I am still processing. Uh, I'm still reeling in some, some ways, but it just goes to show that our God is extraordinary. One of the things I've, I've been doing the last couple of years uh, as, as your pastor is praying for a focus. Uh, you can do a lot of things, and if you're not careful, you can kind of get scattered. I don't know if you feel this around your house sometimes, but you go home at the end of the day, and you have your 900 things to do. You left that morning for work, and the list only had 500 things to do on it, but that person you're, you said, till death do us part, added 400 more things, right? And so you go home, you're like, oh, I have all these things to do. I don't have enough time to get it all done. And I feel like that as a pastor sometimes. Like I, have, I have all these things I want to do, and people keep adding more things to the list. And so every year I make a practice of, of saying, God, what is the word you want me to focus on? Four or 500 people have an opinion, but what's your opinion? And so over the last couple of years, words like kingdom, God, God kind of said, focus on the kingdom. Focus on what it means to live in God's kingdom now, not just when you die. Focus on eternity now, not just then. And so we, we focused on the kingdom. One year, it was Deuteronomy 8, and the word multiply just jumped off the page where God was going to multiply and expand and do things. Next thing you know, the coastal story started to unfold in ways that I could not have predicted where God was multiplying his kingdom in Southwest Noah through campuses. And, and we saw an incredible amount of people find faith in Jesus and get baptized. And God was multiplying what he was up to. Uh, last year was the word gospel. If you remember, we took eight weeks and worked through the entire biblical narrative from creation to fall to Old Testament, God's chosen people, to Jesus, to heaven. We just went through the entire narrative focusing on what does this gospel mean uh, holistically and biblically at the expansive level. And so I've had this happen over the years where God has given us a focus. And the word I want to share with you that I want to focus some of my preaching and teaching on and what we're going to kind of do as a church comes from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And this isn't the sermon passage. This is just kind of a freebie. This is like the appetizer to the meal that's coming. And so I just want to set the stage. So uh, this is just kind of some nachos and dip. You just kind of get ready, and we'll, we'll kind of prem the pump for supper that's coming in a moment. But Colossians chapter 2 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, 
rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And I, and I read that a while ago, and it was, it was Mark and I first having a conversation about it back in the spring, and this verse just kept, kept percolating. And so it had a huge impact on our discipleship pathway and how we want to raise up people. But the word that kept jumping out to me was rooted. And I thought, man, right now, the world feels like we're in the middle of a hurricane. I don't know how you feel, but I just feel like, I, you know when you're walking into Walmart and we've got a good southwest wind blowing through and you can't catch your breath? It feels like that 24-7 from all directions. I just can't catch my breath. I just can't focus. There's more things coming at me at a speed of which I can't process. And there's all this chaos. Life is increasingly complicated. I got an email yesterday saying, Pastor, what should I do about all these complicated issues? And I really want to write back, I don't know. Signed, your pastor. (laughs) Equally confused. I don't know. And here's the deal. If anyone thinks they know definitively, be so careful. These are complicated times. And so this idea of all this wind and hurricane, all this confusion, and all I hear God saying is, better drive your roots down deep. Because you can see the difference between two kinds of trees, right? One with shallow roots, one with deep roots. So here's the deal. You're in the storm. What's going to be revealed is how deep your roots have gone. Now, when I talk about the rootage, I'm not talking about, well, you better be rooted in Yarmouth Westland. Better get your roots down deep at Coastal Church. You better get real rooted at South Church. Those churches are horrible foundations. Well, root in me. I'm your pastor. Attach to me and I'll carry us through the storm. Please don't do that. I am the floundering person in the ocean right along beside you. And so don't root in me. Don't root in these things. It says rooted and built up in him, in Jesus. If we haven't learned anything in the last 18 months is that we don't know anything. And some of the things we put our trust into either betrayed us or they didn't know either. And so everyone's walking around in the dark trying to make sense of this chaos. And Paul is saying, get your roots down in him. Get your roots in Jesus. Now, it's really unfair for me to stand up here and tell you that you should drive your roots in Jesus if you don't know who Jesus is. It's unfair for me to say you should trust Jesus with your life and maybe all you know is a misconstrued idea of what you think Jesus is. It's really not a good idea for me to say put all of your hope and trust and put everything in Jesus if you've never investigated him from yourself and all that you have is maybe pop culture's references to Jesus. Maybe even worse, all you have working knowledge of Jesus is maybe just what pastors have told you what he's like. I can't tell you how many times I've stood here and said, you should trust Jesus and here's why. Well, don't do it because I said so. What I love about the scriptures and what we're going to do for the next few weeks is Jesus is going to tell you why you should trust Jesus. What's the point of me standing up here and saying, you should trust Jesus because I think these things about him. How much better would it be if Jesus took the time to actually explain who he is and what he's like and why you should trust him? So I'm not going to tell you anything for the next seven weeks. I just want to convey to you what he said to us and left it for us in his scriptures. Does that make a remote piece of sense? 
Here's what Jesus said about Jesus. If you have your Bibles, here's what we're going to do for the next seven weeks. Go over to the Gospel of John. Get into the New Testament. Get your phones out. Get your tablets, whatever you bring with you. Unless you've got the whole New Testament memorized, which is equally valid. Uh, Get into the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what you're going to find in the Gospel of John, if you go home, Google this, do a tiny little bit of snooping around, Jesus made seven I am statements. Seven times in the gospel, Jesus said, I am, and then said a description about himself. So that's why I'm saying to you, let's not waste time on me telling you what I think about Jesus. Let's just let him tell you what he thinks about himself. So what we're going to look at today, and I need to kind of set the stage because we're going to have a tonal shift as a church because you're coming off September. And one of the things that I've done as your pastor, maybe even to an unhelpful degree, is I have preached a lot of sending messages. We're on mission. There's the mountain. We got to go. I am wired for movement and action. But I feel in the climate that we're in right now, uh, we need to do some rooting. I need to do some pastor-priest work where we don't just talk about the mission that we're on, we talk about the kind of people that we are on the mission. Does that resonate too? I don't want to send unhealthy people out to fight a battle they're not prepared for. So let's spend a few weeks digging in and rooting in ourselves and getting to know this Jesus person for which we say you should put all your hope and trust in. I'd like to know him a little bit better. So in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, here's the story. It'll be on the screen if you didn't bring a Bible. On the next day... The crowd remained on the other side of the sea and saw that he, sorry, saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got in the boat and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now, we're jumping in a couple scenes into a few days of events. It says they got in their boats and they were seeking Jesus. I'm, I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on those two words, but I was really tempted to. What does it mean for a crowd of people to be seeking Jesus? I'll say that for another day, another sermon. They were seeking him because on the other side of the water, he was preaching and teaching, and a whole crowd started forming around him, like, oh, 5,000 or so. And they're all forming around him, and they realize as he's preaching and teaching that is going on in the day, mealtime is coming, and they look around, and there's just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. And we have this story that we just kind of succinctly call the feeding of the 5,000. Because there's this crowd, there's a need, and ordinary people don't have enough to meet the need. Jesus takes the very ordinary offering of fish and loaves, prays and gives thanks for the mediocrity, and does a miracle in their midst. Ordinary people offering ordinary things, and God does a miracle. Feeds 5,000 people. He then, not to outdo himself, as the boats take off, he walks on the water to meet them, which is why they're confused why he's on the other side without a boat. So you have double miracles going on in this story taking place where they're saying, like, hey, Jesus, we're looking for you. When they found him, in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, 
Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has sent his seal. The crowd is looking for him and seeking him. And what Jesus says, you are seeking after me. You are wanting to find me because I fed you. You want to find me because I met your physical needs or I did a physical demonstration and you are drawn to the physical outpourings of my power, but you're not considering the spiritual implications. Because I get that you're over here. I get that you saw what I did. I fed you. I get that you're impressed by that. But that's actually not really why I'm here primarily. There's this interesting tension where Jesus will meet physical needs, but his main, his main mission is to speak to the spiritual issues. I find this convicting. Because when I'm being honest, sometimes I don't know if I want Jesus or what he can give me. I find it really complicated to be self-aware enough to say, Jesus, do I want you or do I want your things? Like, Jesus, I'm for you, but it's really easy to be for you when $87,000 comes in. And I find him pressing on me saying, would you have been equally for me if $87 came in? Don't ask me that. That's none of your business. Is it just me? Or is it tempting to want the things of Jesus more than Jesus? And so I find this, Lord, like, please focus me. Don't let me get sucked into wanting your blessings more than the blesser. Jesus, don't let me get so drawn into the, the, the physical things you're doing that I'm missing the spiritual things you're up to. So he presses in on them. And then here's how they respond. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? That's a great question. They asked the wrong question. He pressed in on them. And then they ask a great question. How do we step in line with what you're up to? Jesus said to them, this is the work of God that you may believe in him who was sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from the heaven to eat. They want physical food. Jesus says that's not what you should be looking for. Follow the one who God sent. They said, show us if you are really the one that God sent. Are you kidding me? What did we just say that he did? He just fed 5,000 people. He just walked on water to get to the other side. And they're like, yeah, but what else he got? I mean, ah, 5,000. That's moderately impressive. I mean, walking on water? Have you talked to some Canadians? They do that every winter. Like, what else he got for me? Did you feel the tension there? He says, follow the one that God sent. I just fed 5,000 people. I just walked on the water. And they're like, well, yeah, but 
You haven't done that today. That was like yesterday. Have you noticed how short our memory is with God? Have you noticed how God can bless us one minute and two days later we are freaking out, shaking our fist at God? God, why don't you care? Uh, I, I do. I just showed up to evident in your midst not that long ago. Yeah, but not today. Do something bigger. Do more. See, here's the kicker. They reference Moses and the manna because in the Old Testament, God was going to provide food for every day, and every morning they would go out and collect their food for the day, and on the sixth day they would collect double portion because the Sabbath was coming, and God provided for them. So they said, hey, Moses gave us food, and yeah, you did feed the 5,000, but we want more evidence. Do it again, but do it bigger. I don't know if you've come to this conclusion yet, but your physical appetite knows no bounds. I don't know if you've noticed this. Your physical appetite is bottomless. I hear people say, I just need some me time. Just need some me time, eh? What do you need with your me time? I'm going to binge watch Netflix. Will you feel better after that? Oh, heavens no. I just crave some fast food. How much? Like a lot. Will you feel better after that? Oh, heavens no. Like, I know, I know I shouldn't look at porn. It's not that I'm addicted to it, but much like a chocolate craving, I just need a little bit to, you know, get the fix. That is a bottomless pit, my friends. You don't dabble with porn. It devours you. You don't dabble with the appetites of the flesh. They devour you. No, I just need this relationship. If I could just get this next relationship, that relationship would satisfy me. If I could just get out of this relationship, then I'd be happier. Wherever you go, there you are. And what we forget to realize is that your flesh is a cruel slave master. And it wants more and more and more. Like you fed us yesterday, but could you up the ante a little bit? I mean, we saw $87,000 come in, but could we hit 100 next year? I'm already thinking it. Because my flesh is an insatiable, cruel slave master. And he's pressing on them, like, I don't think you understand that the things you want aren't even bad. You just want them too badly. <laughs> Sometimes the things that we want are not evil, as we want them in the wrong ways. We expect them to give us things they cannot give us. Well, my current vehicle is the worst, but if I upgraded, then I would be satisfied. Well, my house right now is far too small, but if I bumped it up, then I would be content. <laughs> oh, my heavens. Well, this iPhone has 16 cameras on the back. That should be enough to take a picture of my ugly mug. And you still hate your photos, don't you? More, more, more. It is insatiable. And Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not, 
It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It was not Moses that met your physical needs, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Okay. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. What a fascinating turn of phrase. We want bread, then bread you shall have. They want their physical wants met. Jesus coming for the needs of their soul. No, Jesus, we want this. No, you actually need this side over here. You have wants, you have needs. I'm not even going to argue with your wants and needs. I'm just going to argue with where you find the satisfaction for them. You find them in me. You can eat, you can eat, you can eat all the bread you want, and you will be hungry the next day again because it does not satisfy. If I was going to title this sermon, I would call this sermon, Jesus is the better bread. You can keep clawing and scratching, I can keep clawing and scratching, or I can have a better bread. And Jesus says, come to me, and I will take care of you. See, Jesus is the better bread because Jesus provides. So many times on the journey, we are perpetually searching and hoarding. Searching and hoarding. I will go home tonight after this service, and I will tear the cupboards apart. And I will declare to nobody in particular, there's nothing to eat in this house. This is just me. And I will just scour. I will scour the house like, I need more. Search, 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 search. And then on the other side, once I gather what I have, heaven forbid if a kid sticks their fingers in my food. <laughs> kid, I love you, but I love this steak a little bit more. That laugh got a little awkward, didn't it? <laughs> like, uh-oh. Julia. My dear sweet wife, I will prepare food and I will sit down beside her and her hand will reach across and I will say the same loving thing I say to her every time. I prepared the exact amount that I wanted. <laughs> if you wanted something, I would have prepared more. And every time she says, I just want a little. And every time I snarl. <laughs> Searching and hoarding. Scarcity and greed. And Jesus says, stop. I'll provide it for you. Give us this day our daily bread. You could say, give us this day our daily bread, or I'm quite comfortable, and I think he would be too if you said, Jesus, provide for us our daily bread. Jesus, would you bring to me what I need? I'm not going to keep searching and clawing and scratching. Would you provide what you know I need? Provide our daily bread. Here's the deal, Jesus. I'm not going to hoard because there's new and fresh blessings every morning. See, what happens is, as long as you listen to your flesh, you'll be perpetually searching and hoarding 
when you come to Jesus and have the better bread, you can rest and release. So you can wake up tomorrow and say, Jesus, if you want me to have something, I'm going to trust that you're going to provide for it. If there's a job out there that you think I should have, I'm coming to you, and I'm going to trust that you are going to open the doors that I need to walk through. Jesus, if, if, if you want me to be generous, I'm going to release. Because releasing does not mean they have and I don't have. I'm going to trust that if you want me to release it, either you'll provide fresh for me or I don't need it, or they do. But I'm going to rest in you and I'm going to release what you've given me because I am not searching and hoarding. I am trusting that you will provide, you will give us our daily bread. Has anyone ever experienced that in their life? Just one guy? Just one guy over here? Of course you have. I was typing, literally, actively typing today, this paragraph, God will provide at my favorite establishment in town. And literally, while I'm typing this, lunch showed up on my table. A lunch I did not ask for and did not pay for. Somebody at my favorite establishment provided a meal for me. If this person in my favorite establishment can provide a good gift, how much more can our Heavenly Father provide? Honestly, how many times does he have to keep showing up for realize, God, I just want you, Jesus. I'm just going to come to you, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to start with you, not the things I need from you, because he's the better bread. It says Jesus sustains us too. There's so many times where I will look at my day and I will eat a lot of food, thinking, oh, I got a big day ahead. I need a lot of energy. It's a big day. Julia, shh, this is a big day. I'm eating a lot of food today. Do you know what I'm finding in 2021? There's no amount of food to provide the energy for the day ahead. <laughs> the task is too much. I can't eat enough, no matter how hard I've tried. The day requires more for me that I can consume on my own. I need someone to sustain me. The day ahead of us needs a better bread. The day ahead of us, said Jesus, I, I need you to sustain me in ways that make no earthly sense. I don't know about you, church. I have been exhausted for two years. I'm sure you have been too. I booked a plane ticket to Ontario two years ago because I was exhausted, just wiped. And Julia said, we're booking you a plane ticket. You're going to Ontario. You need some rest. The day before I got on the plane, pandemic broke out. I've been exhausted for two years. And every Thursday, I go home at four o'clock to get changed for church and get ready. And I say to Julia, I think I was going to phone this one in. I think I was like, show a video from a previous sermon. I'm exhausted. And every time, Jesus sustains Every time a phone call comes in with another crisis in town, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to deliver mail. I just want to drive a truck and talk to nobody for the next, like, six years. Jesus sustains. Every time I go home and look at my kids and think, nope, not today. <laughs> Jesus sustains. Every time Julia looks at me, nope. <laughs> Jesus sustains. How many times have you wanted to quit this last couple of years? How many times have you thought about throwing in the towel and you thought, I don't know how I got through another day. Jesus sustains. He's the better bread. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, my grace, not his grace, Jesus' grace, 
My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. He is actually able to do more when you're at your least. There is more margin, more room for him to show up and show off. So now, Paul says, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. I have never been more evident of God's hand of grace on my life since COVID started. Since March of 2020, it has been the worst. I have despised every day that comes more than I despise the day that's gone by. Lord, I hate this. And every day, his grace is more evident the next day than it was the day before. Lord, I don't like this. He's like, yeah, that's exactly the place I show up and do my greatest work when you're at your worst because his bread is better. Jesus fills. It shouldn't be lost on us that Jesus feeds the 5,000. They eat to their full. A couple days later, and show up and be like, what else you got? There's no end. There's no end to your physical needs. And so the question is not, how can you get enough me time? The question is not, how can you binge on Netflix long enough so that you'll feel rested? The answer is never time. The question is not, how far away can you go on a vacation that will leave you feeling rested? That is not the point. Your physical body is not the point. When you step and participate with Jesus, there is a filling at a soul level that makes no physical sense. It makes no sense. Well, well then how do I, what do I do here then? Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, there are people standing off thinking, I would do the Jesus thing if I could guarantee the outcomes. That's not the deal. I, that's like me saying, I'll eat a lobster if I know it's going to be great. But somebody has to go first. Who was the first guy that said, we should eat that? See, it's not, I will come to Jesus if he does the guaranteed outcomes. It's I'm coming to Jesus and I'm leaving the outcomes in his hands. I'm coming to Jesus and I want to taste and see that not it is good, he is good. He is good. He is better. And so I don't know where you're at today, but here's what I know. When this service is over, I'm going to go home and participate in what I call Second Supper. And when I prepare Second Supper, I will not be observing it. I will not be taking a photo of it. And I will not be posting it on Facebook, hashtag Second Supper. I'm going to consume Second Supper. I want Second Supper and all of it. I don't want to observe Second Supper. I want to receive Second Supper. I think there's a lot of people saying, I'm not so sure about this Jesus thing. Well, that's because you're observing. That's because you're looking. That's not how you find out if he is good. It's not observe and that he is good. It is not take a photo and post on Instagram and find out if he's good. It's taste and see that he is good. And I wonder if there's people in this room, non-Christians or Christians alike, that got caught up in observing Jesus and forgot to receive Jesus. Forgot to actually invite him in and let the 
the better bread do what only he can do. And so we're going to worship for a few moments. And whether you are a Christian, boy, I, I kind of got my eyes off. I started drifting. I started just observing the whole thing. Move back over. Receive him fresh and new again today. And maybe you're here today like, I don't know what this is all about. I was invited here by a friend and I don't know what's going on right now. But something is stirring. Because maybe you know that your physical appetites are betraying you. Maybe you've chased all of the things only to find out, I am more empty today than I was five years ago. Try the better bread. Turn your eyes and look at Jesus. Taste and see that he is good.